Welcome to Sensational Chats, a podcast that empowers women with practical advice and inspiring stories in finance, career development, personal growth, and much more. I'm your host, Francesca Torre, an entrepreneur, educator, and founder of Sensual Women, a community of modern women working to transform their sense into millions. So, grab your headphones and join us on this journey to financial freedom and self-discovery. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to Sensational Chats, where we dive into the stories of extraordinary women who are making significant strides in their careers and lives. I'm Francesca, your host, and today I'm thrilled to welcome Venus Modabber. She's based in New York, and she's currently the Global Google Alliance Senior Manager at PwC and also co-founder of Salad House. So Venus' journey is nothing short of remarkable from like making impactful decisions in the dynamic world of tech and finance to nurturing her entrepreneurial spirit with the creation of Salad House. So she embodies the essence of versatility and resilience at the same time. And as a professional balancing a demanding career and motherhood, Venus' insights are invaluable for anyone navigating similar paths. So Venus, Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for your time. It's uh, a pleasure for us. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Francesca. Love to be here. Thank you. So could you please start by telling us a little bit about your role at PwC? Sure. So I work at PwC. It's a global consulting firm. I'm based in New York and I'm part of the tech alliances team. So that means that we work with our alliance, our counterparts, our tech counterparts, Google, Microsoft, SAP, Oracle, in making sure that we deliver impactful outcomes for our mutual clients. So we work with Google at a global level to say, how is it that we can embed technology and deliver the results on the clients where we're delivering projects and that they're delivering projects on as well? It's a pretty Pretty interesting role, especially now. Great. In your experience, what are the key trends shaping the tech and finance industries globally? So I think the buzzword, which if I had a dollar, if I had a cent for every time that it was mentioned, I would be a much richer woman is AI, clearly. So there's no escaping it. I think every company is grappling with how to embed AI. What are the systems processes? What are the cultural changes and how it actually impacts the company? I think it's a buzzword that's here to stay. And it's also creating a lot of uncertainty, I think, in the workforce. I mean, never like this year has tech been under a magnifying glass for layoffs, which have never really occurred. Tech has always been a safe haven, right? Finance, you've had your finance crashes and the ups and downs. And there were, I mean, you and I graduated, right? In a year in which it was the worst year for finance and it's ever. cyclical ever. But tech has always been safe from that so far and said this year has been brutal. And so I think this is also a way of companies trying to understand how AI is actually shaping everyday job duties. It's shedding some layers. I think it'll come out stronger at the end. And for someone like you who in the end transitioned from banking to tech-oriented role, do you feel you have any advice you could share with our women who might want to make the same move? So I think that career path, and I think this is changes by country. I think it's a very cultural approach. So I think that in the U.S., the way a career path is decided is based on your skill set and your interests. The knowledge that you can learn everything 
If you're smart enough, you can learn everything. I think in Europe, maybe in Italy, it's more about the skill set you know and where you can apply it. And so I think that creates less flexibility in terms of switching between career paths. I remember when I started my first job in Italy at Deloitte, it was in audit. And it was like, I would be doing audit my whole life because no other job after two years of three years of audit would actually let you switch because it's like, oh, you're an audit expert. You know nothing about audit after two years or three years anyway, to be honest with you. So it's not like you become some expert. Instead, from there, I switched to finance in London because in London, they understood, you know what, the skill set that you bring and your goodwill, you can grow in another role. And so same thing, I think, with moving then from finance to a more consulting tech role, it's what is it that you bring from that experience into your new role? So there's a lot more flexibility. I think that from the finance world, what I mean, I joined finance, especially on the consulting side, in an era in which there was Dodd-Frank, there was CCAR, there was SEC regulate. I mean, it was just like really, really intense period for, I think, for consultants with all the regulation coming down. And so the consulting firm had a lot to do, clearly. And so we were very busy. And I think that now tech is under the same scrupulous agenda in terms of legislation, in terms of public opinion. You you have figures like Bezos and Elon Musk that are everyday names, right? The way Jamie Dimon could have been in the finance world when everything was going up in the air for finance. I think for women trying to approach moving career, it's more how is it that you show value in what you did previously and can bring it to the next one. So when I was actually going to tech, I was like, look, I've been in very, very uncertain periods in the finance world. And I think tech is going to be the same right now. The relevance of the agenda right? In terms of you need to see where it's sitting historically. Is it sitting on top of people's agendas? And right now tech is. So I'm happy about this flexibility. I think it brings a lot. I would challenge everybody in their current job to say, if anybody tells you, oh, you're not supposed to go and, you know, you need to go down the audit route necessarily, question it. Or you need to go down the marketing room, question it and see what are the other jobs that actually value your experience as opposed to your skill set. But I think you said a key point here that is all, in the end, it all comes down to the cultural environment where you find yourself. And you pointed out that in the US and even in London, when you move to London, you know, most of the times you can even find people who are graduated in history or in philosophy out of the Anglo-Saxon environment who in the end start a finance career. And this is something that usually in more continental Europe, this doesn't happen. Because as soon as you find and choose your like university path, then it kind of like you're stuck in there. And then also the first jobs that you decide to do after you get graduated, then are the ones who try or tend to like sign your path forward, right? Yeah. So, I mean, your point is absolutely valuable. So it always depends on where you are and where you live. I mentioned in my intro today that you are also a, you're kind of like hybrid because you've got a very strong entrepreneurial spirit as well as, you know, I mean, what, for example, inspired you to co-found Salad House during your sabbatical year? So Salad House was a labor of love. <laughs> that was born out of a period in which I should have been more relaxing in six months sabbatical and that didn't end up being so I'm very happy for these six months but it, it has been a labor of love I took six months off PwC and wanted to travel and also had this idea of Salad House with my brother my co-founder because we he went to university in Italy and was shocked by the lack of salad chains and salad bars the way they're conceived in the 
New York. Like in New York, a salad is something that is a full meal. It's huge. It's mixed. It has proteins. It's just like it's not a side dish, right? And it's the staple of every office life in New York. When he got there, he was like, this isn't here. I went back to visit. I was like, actually, you're right. And so we started this journey on founding Salad House. We clearly don't come from a hospitality background. So it was all completely new for us. We had also never set anything up in Italy from an entrepreneur country as a country, right? Where to start entrepreneurship. So that was also interesting path, discovery into bureaucracy and processes and just, you know, the way of doing business in Italy. A bit challenging, I would say as well, right? I would say if you do it in Italy, you can do it anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just for the type of... I tend to agree. <laughs> it's, just, it's a different level. Like labor laws, for example, right? Like that's completely different from the US. In the US economy, that's built, that favors entrepreneurial spirit. You need to have certain types of labor laws as well. So it's just a different journey. But so we started with one. It was supposed to be very much a proof of concept. It went really well. So we started fundraising for the second one. So far, it was all very grassroots friends and family. We started fundraising for the second one. And by fundraising, I mean, we would ask everybody if they knew people who knew people who knew people who knew people so it was very much basic very even then that very entrepreneurial right so we were too small to go to actual funds because they say you need to have a certain turnover before you approach funds you need to have certain processes in place and we weren't there yet so we contacted everybody we knew and did our fundraising rounds we pitched we had them come in we showed them processes we sent samples it was very fun but also very challenging clearly so then we managed to open up our second location near Duomo in Milano and that one caters more to the offices which is our main customer base and yeah so then we were supposed to open another three in Milan because a fund was actually interested in joining us but what happened as you can imagine lunch in the COVID world and also post-COVID world is a different type of activity because smart working has completely changed the dynamics and the office lifestyle so now we're entering a new era of Salad House which is is how do we cater to this smart working, which is the new normal? So how do we try to be successful in the new normal? But yeah, so that's the journey journey for Salad House. Right now, I'm based in New York and Salad House is in Milan. So when I go to Italy, I visit and check in, but I'm not. Yeah, it's, a, it's a predominantly it's your brother is in charge of it. Right. Yeah, my brother's mainly. But I think you were among one of the pioneers here because, as you randomly pointed out, I mean, Sala was seen normally as a sort of site, not as a complete meal with like proteins, carbohydrates, and everything in there. I think you also contributed to a sort of like a shift in nutrition and how also salad as a main meal can be a complete full meal for lunch in this case or even dinner why do you believe nutrition is crucial for overall well-being and success i mean why you started from food is just because you sell kind of product gop i think food needs to respect lifestyle right so it needs to adjust accordingly i think for the lifestyle the majority of us have having a sit-down meal with a main course a second and a side dish just isn't feasible anymore i think the 
countries adapting to that are also the countries that have more examples of diversified restaurant business, um, diversified menus, diversified food experiences, right? And I think that Italy is changing in that regard because of the hours that are worked, because of the expectations from employees, because of just, you know, the way society is changing. And I think that Salad House really catered to that changing society needs. I mean, before nobody used to, for example, deliveries. I mean, when I went to college X amount of years ago, deliveries just weren't what they were. Now you can't exist if you're not on a delivery platform or understand what having a fleet to manage delivery means. I think to answer your question, you know, how did we get into the food business? Was it only for the gap or was it for the nutritional things? I think it's for how nutrition often reflects changes in society. So going back more to career balance between your career and your personal life as a mom, is there anything you would like to recommend? Also, because, you know, most of the time, I guess you also have to make few travel out to Europe and then down to Italy also to check out your business. How do you usually manage these trips with your daughter? I wouldn't say there's balance. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, my personal view is that it's a bit of a myth. I think you need to, there are periods in life in which you focus on one thing and periods on which you focus on another. And sometimes you need to focus on all of them together, but with less intensity, or sometimes you focus only on one with more intensity. So I think that I've personally had all these phases in which I focus very much on my career. I focus very much on my business. I focus very much on family. And I think the balance is admitting to yourself that you're going to have a first place, a second and a third place in terms of priority in that moment and coming to terms with that. In terms of balancing how I've balanced it or unbalanced it is I'm going with the flow in the sense that right now <laughs> um, I'm fine with putting my baby, who's two, and first place with my job. And then for example, example, salad house as a step back. That said, you need to organize it. So I think the key to having any sort of prioritization is having a good sense of what it takes to enable you to do that. So for example, we had for Salad House, it's an example, we had to hire a very good manager to manage the stores. That means that you're going to be spending more money on hiring that type of talent. We could be spending less, get a more junior person, but I specifically chose a higher paid manager because my expectation is that they deliver certain results and that they support me in the way that I can't be close to the business right now because of my prioritization. So that's one thing. It's being clear on what it takes to get you to make that choice. With work, for example, daycare and babysitters. Is that easy? No. But what does that mean? That you cut down on other things. I have a clearly a supporting husband, supporting family here in New York. So clearly that plays a lot into it. But at the end of the day, whatever balance one talks about is just simply where you decide to put your investments and organize yourself and what it takes to enable you to put that on top of your list. I've never had all three things going 150%, right? I've had one going 100, one going 90, one going 60. So it, it's coming to terms with that, at least for me. And I really thank you for your transparency because sometimes people say, I just do everything at the same time and I'm perfect, but nobody's perfect. So in the end, it's a question of prioritizing. As you said, there are different stages in life. Sometimes, I mean, you want to spend more time with your kids because they're younger. And then after a while, you want to invest just in your career and so on and so forth. Do you have any advice for like aspiring entrepreneurs, especially women who are like considering starting or their own business? or just a side hustle? 
For the way I've approached it, and I'm very on the cautious side, so I'm a conservative person generally, even though I've changed countries, changed industries, changed jobs, started a side business, notwithstanding all this, I tend to consider myself quite conservative. I personally feel that if you're going to start your own business, to really think about start your own business and give up a salary and give up a stable job and give up being an employee, I think you really need to consider how is it that I can explore this? through a proof of concept, through maybe a lesser version of the business while I continue having my paycheck. That means putting in more hours. That means you don't have weekends. That means you, after you check out of your job, even if, if you have crazy hours as finance had, you know, you finish at nine, 10, guess what? Then you, you start, start another job. <laughs> you start another job. That's just my point of view because I feel that you never want to find yourself in the position of not having your independence and not being able to say, I need to do this or I want to do this or I need to. So I, I think having economic backing is very important. I personally would not feel comfortable having put all my eggs into no, one, one basket, basket and then saying and diversification. <laughs> <laughs> Not just in portfolio, also in life. In life. But to do that, you need to take a step back sometimes, right? So you can't, that means having maybe a co-founder that's more in it. That might mean you have less equity though. Are you willing to have less equity, but also be able to keep a stable job on the side? I mean, as your main job, right? So there are various choices that come with what I just said, with not going full in into your side business. Are you comfortable with those choices and the consequences of it? So for me, that has always been a sticking point. I think somebody once asked me, you know, what would it take for you to leave your tech consulting job and go full on? And I said, I don't know, because when I'll get to that, I'll, I'll know. But right now, I feel like I'm a more complete person and a happier person. I'm happier in my job in consulting and I'm happier in my entrepreneurial by having both. It's a very good point because in the end, people see some hustles and like something that you start, you see if it's working or not, and then potentially transform into full-time business. But there are even people, as you rightly pointed out, that they just enjoy a side hustle, but that's it. And that keep it as a side hustle, not as your full-time job. To conclude, if I can, just my last question would be like, how do you see the role of platforms like Central Women in supporting and empowering women in their careers, their personal growth, their financial independence? I mean, do you think these platforms have a significant role to play in regions like Europe? What's your personal view? Absolutely. I think women need to share more. They need to share more because it enables, I think, better decision making. The more stories we share, the more insight, the more connections we make among people, I think that's where our power lies. And I feel like platforms like this are a, a good way to do that and to enable that. I think men have always gone through history differently and their success differently, but that's not necessarily going through our strong points, right? So for me, hearing a man talk about his career and hearing a woman talk about their career, I approach it differently. I'm the way I receive the information. So I think platforms like this are great for that. And thank you for setting it up. Thank you. <laughs> so Venus, and I, I never know how to pronounce correctly your name. It's like <laughs> Venus or Venus. It's a... <laughs> as you wish. As you wish. It's Is it both you. ways? Okay, great. Thank you so much for sharing your invaluable insights and for being a role model to women who are striving to make their mark in the world. I do believe that your story is a testament to what can be achieved with perseverance, because as you mentioned, you, during your six months of sabbatical, you didn't go to Maldives and then relax on a beach. 
age, but you decided to really work hard, passion, dedication, and a commitment to personal growth. So thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, to all our listeners, I hope this episode has motivated you to pursue your aspirations with confidence and remember that importance of balance in every aspect of your life. Last but not least, of course, be sure to subscribe to Sensational Chat Podcast for more empowering stories and practical advice. Don't forget to check out our free resources on Central Women website for further inspiration and guidance on your journey. And then thank you for joining us today. So keep striving, keep thriving, and remember that your journey is as unique as you are. Thank you, Venus. Have a great day all. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. That's the end of the show, but I can't wait to share more stories and tips with you next week. If you love that we're time together, make sure to rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Remember, new episodes drop every Wednesday, with each one bringing new insights you won't want to miss out on. And as always, to finish off with our disclaimer, Sensational Chat by Sensible Women offers general financial education, not personalized advice. Remember, we are not financial advisors. Use our content for learning, but always do your own research and due diligence before making financial decisions. Music